From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains. Think back to January 2017. If you were following the news, two major things happened. First, the inauguration of President Trump, and second, in response to the inauguration of President Trump, the women marched. It was big. So big that hundreds of thousands of women turned out to march in D.C. and at smaller marches throughout the country. Everywhere you looked, you'd see people wearing pink hats and holding posters of female anatomy donned with clever quips written below them. Not only that, but big-name celebrities like Natalie Portman, Madonna, Scarlett Johansson, and Ashley Judd turned out to show support. So I'd like to propose one way to continue moving this revolution forward. Let's declare loud and clear, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I desire. This is how you can help me achieve pleasure. Let's make a revolution of desire. I feel that in the face of this current political climate, it is vital that we all make it our mission to get really, really personal. They are for birthing new generations of filthy, vulgar, nasty, proud, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, sink, you name it, for new generations of nasty women. So if you a nasty woman or you love one who is let me hear you say hell yeah yeah. who could forget that the march is still going three years later but it's not the life-changing event that it once was in fact one attendee was quoted as saying they attended this year's march to feel the way they felt in 2017 but for some reason it had changed and it wasn't like it once was That's because the leadership of the march encountered some pretty major headwinds and tailwinds at the same time. It's the third straight year women have gathered in protest of the Trump administration, advocating to take down systems that they say promote gender and racial inequality. This year, though, New York protesters had to choose where to show their support after a battle between two march groups got ugly. Women's March Alliance, based in New York, claimed that organizers from D.C.-based Women's March, Inc. demanded that some of their organizers be placed on their planning board. When they refused, they were accused of racism. The D.C.-based group also faced scrutiny after one of their leaders, Tamika Mallory, refused to distance herself from Louis Farrakhan, the minister of the leader of the Nation of Islam and a self-proclaimed anti-Semite. Mallory refused to condemn his comments during an appearance on The View. I don't speak for Jewish people, but I think I'm just confused. These remarks are, I mean, it goes on death to Israel over and over again. We did not make those remarks. You can't put But you're associating with a man who does publicly. What I will say to you is that I don't agree with many of Minister Farrakhan's statements. Specifically about Jewish people. As I said, I don't agree with many of Minister Farrakhan's statements. You uh, condemn them? 
I don't agree with these statements. At the end of the day... You won't condemn the, it. No, no, no. To be very clear, it's not my language. It's not the way that I speak. It is not how I organize. They are relentless. They are persistent and consistent and want to see how much we as a community can endure and want to see who our friends are and how hard we're going to fight back against this administration. And I hope that we, when we stand up to those who oppress our communities, that Allah accepts from us that as a form of jihad, that we are struggling against tyrants and rulers, not only abroad in the Middle East or in the other side of the world, but here in these United States of America where you have fascists and white supremacists and Islamophobes reigning in the White House. I recently read an estimate that there were only 10,000 attendees at this year's march. That's a long way from the 300,000 just a couple years ago. So the big question is why? Is it because of outlandish statements by the organizers? Or is it because the march has been flawed from the start? I thought it was really important to watch what they were doing and respond because it was a big movement and I, I did see it as a big threat for women. Um, I saw a lot of young women on social media getting excited about it. I saw a lot of women my age um, buying some of the gear that goes along with being a marcher. And it worried me that um, we're we're losing women and, and they have this idea of what conservative women are, what we represent, and it's being completely misconstrued, um, partly through what these women who lead the Women's March claim that conservatives are. Kelsey Harkness is a senior news producer at The Daily Signal. She's the host of Problematic Women and frequently appears on TV to discuss current issues. She recently wrote a piece talking about how the Women's March is melting down. She explains. Kelsey, give me a history of the march in in your perspective, because you've covered them all. What's your perception then, three years ago, and now, three years later? The Women's March was founded in a direct response to the election of Donald Trump. It was actually a grandmother in Hawaii who came up with the idea to take to the streets um, and, and, and march and make themselves seen and heard. And this idea went viral on social media. There were so many other women who resonated with it and wanted to do something. And, you know, what ended up happening is a group of activist women, women with, with strong activist backgrounds, um, got asked to join the leadership team, and they ended up, long story short, hijacking it. And it started out, I mean, it was huge. The first year was massive. I mean, you can remember seeing on your TV screens every city across America covered in pink hats. Which was a certain part of the anatomy, I assume? I'm not mentioning it here. (laughs) (laughs) I am too classy for that. Very good, very good, very good. But now this year, it it's significantly reduced in size. Is that correct? Absolutely. Look, I I live in Washington, D.C. and uh, hardly saw any remains of this march the day after. Um, Numbers were significantly down. And um, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But first and foremost, I think the reason for that is because the whole thing is a fraud. And um, year by year, they're being exposed because The Women's March, of course, does not represent all women. It represents a certain brand of women, and and those women are very far left, I I would say, um, radical in their views, 
and intolerant towards anyone who disagrees with them. You wrote a great piece that says the women's march is melting down. Which it is. Which it is. <laughs> and one of the pieces, uh, the poll quotes from it, is, is you claimed, and you touched on it briefly, but can you get a little bit more into it? Why you say it's a fraud? What does that mean when you call it a fraud? From the start, it was a fraud. Just explain that for me. The idea that an organization can call themselves the Women's March and only represent maybe half of the population. I think that's being overly generous of me to say half, but represent maybe half of the generation is very fraudulent. And I don't think conservative women would have responded with so much you know, disgrace or anger towards, towards this march if they didn't claim to represent the views that we stand for and who we are. But this could be solved as easily as changing their name to be the Liberal Women's March, the very far left-wing <laughs> Liberal March. But instead, this is a group of women who are marching around our entire country, the world in some cases, claiming to represent um, women simply because, you know, simply based on the fact that we share the same body parts. Um, that's That's fraud, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I mean, so so here's uh, well, let, let me just do a segue here. You put out a video, uh, which I'm going to link to this in the show notes so our listeners can can view it if they'd like. Um, it was compelling and it and it was called Why the Women's March Doesn't Represent Us. Um, tell me about what inspired that. We wanted to put faces to the different views that women have that run in direct opposition to the platform of the Women's March, which is very, very pro-abortion. Um, it is very far left on in environmental issues. And most of all, it is very anti-Trump. If you look at any videos or, or pictures from the Women's March, it really is just a bunch of angry women yelling about Donald Trump. And that's another reason why I think it's a fraud, because it really is just a march against Donald Trump. And so that's why I argue from the start this march wasn't sustainable, because it was founded in so much anger. And that anger is a direct result of a single you know, person, Donald Trump, versus if you compare it to the March for Life, which takes place the day before the Women's March, this is a march that has been going on for 46 years and is rooted in love. And that's why it's been able to sustain itself over, you know, controversies, scandals here and there, because it was found in this idea of love versus the Women's March was founded very much in hate. Yeah, you, there seems to be a double standard. We, we, you know, while while the Me Too movement does have some merits of good, there's often a tendency to just believe every single allegation and then you're guilty until proven innocent and still the, instead of the opposite. Whereas the same women would dispute perhaps a woman who says I had an abortion and it was the worst decision I ever made. It destroyed my life. They wouldn't necessarily believe that woman as much as they would someone who is, you know, making a claim that goes in line with the leftist ideas. Exactly. And getting back to your question, why we made this video, putting faces to these different values that women really do represent, it's to show people that the conservative movement is very diverse and the values that women have differ from one woman to the next. One woman might uh, vote based on her views um, on life. 
while another might base their vote on the economy. We're very diverse, and I think that's the beauty of women. I don't think we should be judged based on our body parts. And in fact, I think that's incredibly demeaning and goes against everything true feminists ever fought for. Now, there's going to be multiple explanations for this, but there was a number that I read somewhere in the hundreds of thousands, maybe 300,000, the first March a couple years ago. And this March, now I read one that said 10,000 women. So there's a huge drop there, a huge change in numbers. Uh, I've read articles that say, well, it's because of the, as you mentioned earlier, the uh, alleged anti-Semitic comments made by one of the March organizers. Um, I've read, oh, it was cold weather. It was, stuff. But I'm wondering if you think that there's maybe another reason for that. or I mean, it can't all be on an alleged comment or cold weather. Right. Well, the allegations of the leaders of the Women's March uh, supporting an open anti-Semite are serious and really undisputable. It was really incredible to watch on live TV Tamika Mallory be unable to condemn comments um, by Lois Farrakhan, who has compared uh, Jews to termites. So those are serious. Um, The Women's March has another problem. Uh, Its finances are super sketchy. In that tablet expose I mentioned earlier, um, it talked about the Women's March bringing in millions and millions of dollars. You can remember this back when Donald Trump was elected. All these women who decided, you know, I don't need to get out and vote because Hillary Clinton is going to win. They felt kind of dumb and decided to do something about it. And they opened their pocketbooks and donations um, increased dramatically. Women's March raised a ton of money. And yet uh, these leaders of the local chapters who are actually on the ground in different cities across America doing the hard work to put these marches together say they didn't receive a single dollar. Wow. And yet... You know, we have the leaders of the Women's March up in New York who seem to be doing just fine. So that's another problem it has. But as I alluded to earlier, the bigger problem of the Women's March is that it's rooted in in hatred. It's rooted in such negativity. This idea that women are so oppressed simply by Donald Trump becoming president, which is so ironic if you look at how well women are doing under Donald Trump um, in the economy, uh, record low unemployment rates, wages are rising. Um, women are doing great. And I think there's there's a lot of fear mongering going on in regards to um, control over women's bodies and so forth. Um, but I don't think this movement can sustain itself, um, certainly not past um, the end of Donald Trump, because really what it is, is a pro-abortion, anti-Trump march. Um, but I don't. I, I think we're already watching it demise. Um, it, it, it did not have a good showing uh, this past weekend, and I don't think that's just because of the anti-Semitism. Let's get proactive here. Give me cheerful solutions to how we can respond, not in kind, but maybe take a different approach to responding to all of this that we're facing. I often, you know, think of the advice that I would give young girls because I was that high school college student who was scared to be outspoken about my values. I was nervous to even raise my hand in class. And I would encourage you just to be fearless and don't filter yourself and um, just try to learn and absorb as much information as you can so that you're educated 
to have these important debates and to stand up for your values because that's what we need more of. Kelsey, thank you so much for uh, coming in here and doing this. Anytime. And that's it for this week's episode of Heritage Explains. After you listen to this podcast, feel free to share it with your friends on social media. We really count on you to spread the word. So please go do it now. Michelle is on next week to help celebrate the rollout of the 25th anniversary edition of the Index for Economic Freedom. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by Thalia Rampersad. Do conversations about the Supreme Court leave you scratching your head? Then subscribe to SCOTUS 101, a podcast breaking down the cases, personalities, and gossip at the Supreme Court.